Week two of football is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Let's kick off another action-packed week. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week one game to receive $150 in bets instantly and if it's not available in your state DraftKings still has huge cash prizes available up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code tbpn to receive 150 dollars in free bets when you place a one dollar bet on any football game that's promo code tbpn this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. And welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is Friday, September 24th, 2021. It is the third day of the fall. Had a pod for you a couple days ago with Mike from the Driving to the Basket podcast. Where we talked about the Cavs and the Pistons. He shared some thoughts on Colin Sexton. Most of us probably don't agree with, but some very insightful analysis in that regard and in all other areas of Cleveland hoops. Today, it's going to be a pretty short edition. I just want to talk about some of the new guys because I've had podcasts out several in this month, but really haven't had time to talk about the recent signings. So without further ado, let's get into it. Start with Kevin Pangos. He's 28 years old. He'll turn 29 in January. Played one year of college ball, 2014-15 at Gonzaga, where he made 81 threes, shot the ball very effectively from deep, over 43%. 12 points, three bounds, five assists. And then Pangos went, and he has been playing in Europe for many a year. He's actually all EuroLeague first team last year. Spent the season with Zenit St. Petersburg. All in all, averaged about 12 points, six and a half assists. Shot better than 40% from distance. A very successful year. He's also been a member of Team Canada in the FIBA World Cup that happened in 2019, where he scored 41 points in five games, made seven threes, dished out 26 assists. He's played for Zalgaris, Zalgaris Conis, FC Barcelona. He's been around the block. The man is a very good passer. He's shown flashes of being a knockdown three-point shooter, and Pangos is not expected to be in the rotation, at least to start the year. But looking at how last season went, Guards just dropped like flies. First, Sexton and Garland both had to miss games together. So Dotson got thrust into duty because Dante Exum was hurt in the same window. Pangos is just a good European veteran that now enters the NBA for the first time. I think he'll bring a lot to the table. The fact that he can shoot is great. He's a good passer. He'll find players for open looks, I think, in practice. He'll win everybody over. I think he'll be a vocal leader on the bench alongside of, you know, Ricky Rubio this season. So he's a guy I'm excited that the Cavs picked up. Yeah, there's probably other names I would have rather they found, but Pangos has a successful track record in Europe. Let's see if it can translate over to the pro game. 
And there were two players that were signed for training camp slash preseason. They're both guards. The first is Mitch Ballack. Ballack is 23. Spent a few seasons with Creighton, where he finished up in 2019-20. The 19-20 season, I should say. Ballack, a tremendous three-ball shooter during his sophomore season, made 95 of them at a 42% clip as a junior he made 93 of them at a 44% clip. He knows how to knock them down from deep. He's a decent rebounder. And he's a guy that can bring a lot of shooting should he get a roster spot. And if he does, it'll definitely be a two-way contract. And even if he doesn't, Balak should be able to find his way on to the Canton charge. And so, assuming that he doesn't make the roster. He's still going to be a guy who can be called up later. He's 23 right now. His birthday was in July. I think Balak played in a tough division when he played at Creighton, played some good competition, and he showed an ability to make a number of shots. Now, Balak signed with the Cavs back on September the 8th. Haven't heard much about him since, but no news is good news because it means he's still working hard and grinding toward finding his goal. Next ad was R.J. Nempard. His father, Ruben, actually played 10 games in the NBA in the 96-97 season, split between Utah and Portland. He played at Weber State. This is Ruben Jr. He played collegiately at TCU for three years. His freshman year didn't really get into the rotation much, but over the next two seasons was able to finesse some more playing time, 17 minutes as a sophomore, all the way up to 32 a game as a junior. And during that junior season, didn't exactly shoot the ball well. 36% from the field, 31% from three. He averaged 12 points, four rebounds, and three and a half assists. Three and a half assists for TCU. Now, TCU's last two NBA players, Desmond Bain and Kenrich Williams, he would be the 12th player in TCU history to make it to the NBA if he does log any minutes. And looking at former Cavs, there are two of them. Lee Nalon, who played in the league from 01 to 06, had a year with the Cavs. And Scotty Brooks, former head coach of the Thunder and the Wizards. He is also a former TCU guy. Brooks played his final NBA season in 97-98 with the Cavs. That year is most notable because the 97-98 Cavs team is the one that last made the playoffs with LeBron not in the roster. As you've seen in my writing, as you've seen in some of my former podcasts, talk about that year a lot. So Nempard's contract, of course, non-guaranteed. If it was up to me and it came down to Nempard or Mitch Ballack, I'd want Ballack. He's a more proven shooter. He's a much more accurate marksman. I mean... You can't just look at Nempard as a guy who struggled with his shot in college, and that's really what he is. He's a decent passer. He's a solid rebounder for a guard at 6'5", and he does have a dad with NBA experience. So let's see. We'll see what ends up happening with him. You know, I don't expect him to make the team. I think he'll just spend the year with the G League squad, but you never know. Move that I'm not happy about in any way shape or form is the addition of Broderick Thomas or I should say the re-addition 
He logged 28 games for the Cavs last year, shot the ball horribly, had some ugly turnovers. I'm not sure why the team opted to bring him back. What's What really is the point of, of keeping him here? What, what does Broderick Thomas bring to the table? I don't like Broderick Thomas. That's pretty pronounced. I think it's great for him that he could go from Division II Truman State University and make it to the NBA. He's the first Truman State guy to play in the NBA since Lester Selvage played in the league from 1968 to 1970. And yeah, that's great. You know, put the school on the map, right? He He's grinded. Clearly, Cavs thought highly enough of him to give him that two-way deal midway through last season after he opened up with the Rockets. But there's more deserving guys of that roster spot. I think it's a bad decision. I think Thomas, statistically speaking, won't really give you much. I think that there's plenty more that you can find in other editions. And yeah, every team gets two two-way spots. If they want to get rid of him during the season, they can probably do that with without an issue. But there was no reason to keep him on board. And in summer league, Thomas was, was pretty rusty if you really look into it. And he can dunk on guys. So what? He's a very inconsistent out deep ball shooter. He only shot 28% for the Cavs last year, 15 out of 53. He's really not much better than Delhi over the past two years. And there's just injuries are going to happen if they're part of the game. And when Thomas has to come into the game and play, I just, I don't look forward to that. So I guess we'll have to see what ends up happening. You know, Colby Altman's made some good moves, some bad ones in his time in the front office. This move doesn't really get a label as horrible or amazing, but just it's bad. I'm not a fan. I, I don't know why Broderick's still here. And here's a move that was a long time coming. Denzel Valentine coming to the Cavs. He was the 14th pick in 2016 by the Chicago Bulls. Logged 57 games as a rookie, but at shooting splits of 35, 35, 78, not very good. You know, 35% from the field, especially for a jump shooter, yuck. And he doesn't have the defense to back that up. When he was in college, oh, Valentine was very solid. Showed a lot of prowess in Michigan State. He averaged 19, 8, and 8 as a senior, 15, 6, and 4 as a junior. He's a three-year starter. And better than 100 threes twice. And obviously college 30-plus games, it's more than three at night. His NBA career seen him shoot 35.7% from deep. He missed the 18-19 season with an injury. Came back very mediocre in 2019-20. Was pretty much a normal part of the Bulls rotation. Averaged seven points, three rebounds, two assists this past year. But shooting splits of 37-31. He only took 17 free throws, and he made 16 of them. As a matter of fact, across 232 games, Denzel's only logged 94 free throw attempts. He's not that aggressive. He likes to play on the perimeter. But before I even get into how I think he fits on the Cavs, there's one specific moment in a game against Miami that rings true about Valentine. They were down either four or five or six. It was the last minute. He pulled up from about 30 feet in transition and shot an air ball. I went Bulls announcers, Adam Amin, and Stacey King like, no, 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 no. Why? No. How often, no matter who the announcers are, 
for their own player, give a reaction like that to a shot attempt, especially late in the game. You try and be pro the team you're calling games for. That's just how it works. You know, you don't want to show too much disgruntledness when it's your team, you know, your fans are watching you call it out. That's very telling. Valentine's decision-making at times can be very questionable. He might still think he's the guy he was in college, who was the sniper, who could do everything. He could score. He's a good rebounder. He could ignite the break. He could find the open man. But the truth is, his NBA career has not been very impressive. And, yeah, he had to deal with a big injury, but he's played 232 games, made 342 threes. There's a lot that the Cavs need from this last signing. And I guess the one thing you can point to as a positive is he did make 143 threes in his sophomore year pre-injury, and he shot 39% from deep. It's crazy how age works. The guys who come in after zero to two years of college versus the guys that played four years in college, Valentine's going to turn 28 this year already. You know, for reference, Colin Sexton is entering his fourth year. This right now would be his rookie season in the NBA if he did four years in college. Darius Garland is entering his third year. This would be his first year as well. Actually, no, this would be his senior year. So it, it's crazy. Jared Allen would be in his second year in the league. He already got $100 million from the Cavs. It just Age is a funny thing. It's great for the guys who choose to play four years in college, especially, you know, you get your education. But it sometimes hurts your career prospects, especially in the modern game where every team likes the younger guys. And the four-year players get drafted later or not at all. And they have to really earn their way in. But nevertheless, Denzel Valentine can be a home run signing. I don't expect him to get minutes ahead of Dylan Windler. Maybe not even Jetty Osman. But he is a good shooter. We saw last year Damian Dotson and Del Mungler have those shooting contests and practice and that the belt, the title belt they carried around. So maybe Valentine can join in. And he does reunite with Lowry Markinen. So Markinen is kind of on the outside looking in at the end of the season for the Bulls as far as getting big minutes. He's got a former teammate with him. I think that that'll help him adjust. Maybe that's one of the reasons for the signing. But we'll see. I'm okay with the Valentine signing, but my assessment of him as I've said before, he is an overconfident version of Jetty Osman. Not knocking Jetty, who's had some great games and some despicable performances. Valentine just lets it fly, never even thinks about it. There are times where Jetty is passive. Valentine is not, pretty much ever. So we'll see what he does. As I mentioned, this is a short edition of Across the Cavs, just talking about the new guys, but... We're coming up on Cavs basketball very soon. Season opener, October 20th versus Memphis. Good to see a couple of talented backcourts going at it. Morant and Brooks. And then Sexland, of course. Garland and Sexton. Preseason starting in just, what, a week or two? You have training camp beginning next week. Let's go, Cavs basketball. This has been another edition of Across the Cavs. Catch you next time.